Want you to get up this morning, skip around like a lamb. Well, he God, God don't never change. Oh, always will be God. This is Cynical Sheep, and tonight Tony and I are joined by Greg Sanders, as lead pastor of the Assembly in Cabot, Arkansas. Uh, he's invested the last 25 years in leading people of all ages into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. His desire is that everyone discover God's plan and purpose for their lives. He is passionate about seeing each person become committed to Christ and His church and desires to see His people functioning in their gifting and using their lives as ambassadors for Jesus. He's convinced that the best way to live this life is to live it for Jesus. Greg, thank you for being here. Oh, man, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, as I was saying earlier, I'm a long-time listener, but I'm glad to be a first-time caller tonight. Just glad to be <laughs> able to talk to you guys. Yeah, glad to have you on. Glad to have you on, Greg. Yeah, and bless your heart for listening, man. He's sticking in there. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys uh, you guys have a great gift of, uh, of tethering humor with uh, conversations people are having every day that uh, – some people are talking about it and other people wish they had someone to talk about some of this stuff with. So I just appreciate what you guys are putting out there. Yeah, we, we appreciate that for sure. Thank you for the compliments. Looking, looking forward to our discussion tonight. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, Hey, Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about uh, where you grew up? Sure. Yeah. So I am a, I'm a native Arkansan. I grew up in uh, South Arkansas, in Magnolia, just a small town of about 12,000 people, if you're not familiar with it. Right up the road from Yeah, yeah. Born and raised there, went to high school there, uh, graduated from South uh, Southern Arkansas University with a business degree, uh, home of the mule riders. And so some schools have secret handshakes. We have the mule kick. And so we know uh, <laughs> if you graduated, really, uh, can you do a mule kick? Because we're the home of the mule riders. But yeah, I met my wife there and uh, still uh, haven't been there in a while, but just, uh, yeah, that's home for us. Were you, uh, Greg, were you raised in the church? I was, uh, I tell people I was in church about nine months before I was born. Uh, my dad was a deacon in our church. My mother was the financial secretary in our church. It was a smaller church when I was a kid, you know, probably 75 people. Um, but by the time I was a teenager, the church had grown to probably a couple hundred people. But yet, if the doors were open, we were there. It didn't matter if it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, uh, women's ministry, men's whatever, potluck. I mean, uh, we woke up on Sundays. Um, all we had to wonder was, are we taking the car or the truck? Uh, we just knew we were going. So, yeah, just right. I tell people I was thoroughly raised in the church. <laughs> So, uh, was it was it that background or, or was it something else that uh, got you into ministry? Yeah, so, you know, I've made the comment before that uh, if I'm preaching and I kind of get off script, and if I start quoting scripture and it's in King James Version, uh, it's because I am quoting something I learned in Sunday school, which honestly, <laughs> I mean, this is not uh, a dig at higher education, but most of my scripture I learned in Sunday school, not Bible school. And so I, I quote a lot of it and I just chalk that up to uh, a great home church being raised in the church. Uh, and so, yeah, um, 
but as far as what got me into ministry, you know, I remember distinctly uh, age 14 in youth camp, one of those powerful times around the altar where I just, you know, the, the camp speaker just kind of took a moment and said, hey, some of you in the room, God may be calling you to spend your life in ministry. And the minute he said that, it was just like the Holy Spirit left inside of me that just let me know, hey, he is talking to you. And, and so I knew in that moment that was the deal. And so like most 14-year-old boys, I went home. I didn't tell a soul. I was like, that is, right. You know, uh, I knew it, but I wouldn't tell anybody. But uh, so, so for me, there was a, a difference between the call of God and actually responding to the call of God or stepping into that calling. And um, this is a very um, glittery or uh, whatever um, that maybe it ought to be, but uh, I got in ministry just by saying yes to whatever the opportunity was. I mean, I remember the first time um, the church needed someone. We had this rotation that to mow the churchyard and they were looking for guys who would rotate and mow the churchyard. And I just thought, Oh, I can do that. And so I started mowing the churchyard and, you know, a year later, our pastor uh, came, came wheeling in on two wheels. It seemed like before Wednesday night service, because he picked up kids from church and now he had to get to a, a deacon's meeting before he went to preach. And he just asked me, Hey, Hey, Greg, would you mind parking the van for me as these kids are getting off? And, and so I go in and park the van and I just kind of mentioned to him, Hey, I could take these kids home for you if you wanted to. And and then, you know, within 20 minutes, I was now the new van driver on Wednesday night, which turned into, you know, one thing after another. I, I tell people I've been just about everything in the church except for the women's ministry director, but I'm still right. young. I could, I, could, I could do that at some point. But uh, <laughs> so I just kept saying yes to whatever, uh, whatever God, whatever door would open. And, I, and I've just always yeah. felt like uh, two things. Number one, highly unqualified to do any of that stuff um, and highly grateful yeah. to be able to do any of that stuff. I got a guy, you know, got our church named Corey. He is just always reminding me personally and other people on our teams that uh, we don't have to do things for God. We get to do things for God. And I've just, That's it's right. always been get to, to That's me, right. honor my life to get to do anything for the Lord. And so, uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I got in just sort of one step at a time. And here we are. I got you. Then that's that's so awesome. I, I know my wife and I have been through periods where that was it. We just we were just saying yes. And I think I think sometimes people, you know, uh, they, they look for you know the 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 big thing and and you know to come along or whatever else the big answer. And uh, sometimes it's about the little steps of obedience, right? Just stepping out and you know just saying yes in the little things and God building upon that. Uh, yeah, that, I I really appreciate that about your story. You know, and sometimes I think the need is the call. Sometimes people want a Damascus Road experience. They want a bright light from heaven to say, this is the Father calling you to do whatever. But uh, sometimes the call of God is, uh, it sounds a whole, like, whole lot like your pastor when he says, hey, we need help in kids' church or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be bright lights and getting knocked off your donkey on, on the road to Damascus. Yeah. That's be right. Here's a need. I'm going to fill it. And I think uh, somebody wrote something in some book somewhere that if we're faithful in little things that God right. then puts big things in our hands. I think I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. And so that, 
Yeah, that's just uh, just kind of doing that over and over again. Yeah. In our life story. I had an old minister tell me one time the best way to get into ministry is to pick up a broom. There you go. Just exactly yeah. what you're saying. Just find find the need, and there's yeah. you know, there's always something to be done. Just when you see something need to be done, just do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what is your all-time favorite aspect of being in the ministry? Well, you know, I guess any preacher's knee-jerk reaction response should be that when uh, someone gets saved, when someone transforms from uh, death to life, they go from lost to found, from sinner to saint, when they have that moment where they were away from God and now they're in right relationship with God, uh, that is obviously the, the greatest moment. Um, but I will say there is something that is right next to it, like just really kin to that moment for me personally. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plagiarize uh, the Bible from uh, third, third John <laughs> chapter one. Uh, the writer says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Uh, for me, that is like, the greatest reward is when I run into, um, you know, a 30 year old who the last time I saw them, they were a 14 year old and I was their youth pastor. And now they're bringing their kids to church and they're serving God or they're involved in the church. I mean, that to me, that is like, just that, that's it to, to see someone you invested in or you sowed in, our disciple 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and they're still serving God. Um, to me, that's, that's, that's it. That's the tip. Yeah. 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 No, that that's cool. Do you, uh, speaking of, do you have, uh, children of your own? We, we kind of skipped beyond that when we did the introduction at the beginning. Yeah. So we've got, uh, two miracle kids. Uh, we've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And so, uh, we are, we are sort of older parents. I'm 45 years old, uh, but my kids keep me young. You know, most of the most of the people that have kids that are our age are like 10 years younger than me, or sometimes 15. But but that's okay. Uh, I I think it keeps me me young. But so yeah. So now I'm trying to. Uh, now the big goal is to make sure in 10 or 15 years they're still serving the Lord, and in 30 years yeah. they're you know. Uh, so that's where we're going. Uh, but yeah. All starts at home. Yeah, no, that, that's good. That's good. I know a little something about being an older parent myself. So, yeah, I, you have to let me in on your secret how it's keeping you young because it's it's doing nothing to age in you. Amen. Speaking of your congregants, uh, what what do you wish that? more congregants knew, and I guess that could be yours or uh, the church universal. What do, what do you wish, what do you wish they, they more of them knew? Um, two things. One, um, one, I, I think, I wish we all realized, I'm going to kind of piggyback on what I just said, that we are all ministers. Uh, the minister isn't just the person behind the plat behind the podium, the minister is also the guy sitting in a pew and for the church to be the church, it, it's a, it's an all play. It's, it, it's a team effort. It's, we're all in this together. And, um, 
you know, I was just mentioning how rewarding it is to see someone that you sewed into five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and you see that they're still serving God. I don't think that's a, uh, I don't think that's an experience reserved for ministers or, you know, pastors only. I think that's an experience that that's meant to be shared by every believer that we're all sewing into people and that we're all seeing people grow. And that 10 years from now or 15 years from now, we, we look and those kids we sewed into are now adults or those adults we sewed into are now leading other adults that we're making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Um, but, but in order, order for that to happen, a couple of things have to take place. Number one, you have to see yourself as a minister and, you know, invest. And it doesn't take a lot. I mean, host a life group or teach a Sunday school class or serve in the youth group or tell the youth pastor, hey, have the kids come to my house this weekend or what? It, it doesn't take a lot to make a really big difference um, because we can all do that. And, and, and uh, so that's the first thing, just engage in some way, invest in some way. And then the second thing is, is stay put long enough to, to see the fruit develop. I mean, um, one of the things I personally have to do, and maybe I just in my own little struggle bus here, but um, sometimes if, if I just look at what's going on today or what's going on the last three weeks, um, man, it, it can be disappointing. You can think, man, no one, no one got that sermon. Uh, those kids didn't pay attention. Life group attendance wasn't that great. Um, you can just really beat yourself up over what you're not seeing in the moment. Mm. But um, when you stay faithful and stay put long enough for God to use you over time in a ministry, or you sow into someone's life long enough, you start to get some, you start to get some, get to see some lasting fruit. Um, you know, part of the, part of the thing of a plant in order for a plant to produce fruit, it's got to stay planted in one place long enough to see the fruit. And, and I just wish people would uh, take a chance and invest in someone's life. And then, and not on, on one Sunday a month, but, but long-term just say, Hey, I'm here to invest and make a difference and, and, and give it five years, give it a decade and just yeah. see, uh, see what God can do. You know, I had the privilege of, uh, you know, this is too long. Y'all can cut this out later, I guess, but uh, I, good. I had the privilege of youth pastoring at a church for eight years. Then I left for five to go minister uh, in another church. So I came back and pastored that same church where I've been for eight years. I pastored that church for another eight years. So I had like a 21 year stint with this one church. And when I went back to pastor the church, one of the things that was so rewarding was that um, some of those kids were on the platform now as adults. Uh, I had one of my students who became one of my deacons. Um, they just and, and other students that had been in our youth group the first time were now in leadership in other churches around town. And so I had the privilege of, of, of staying put long enough. I don't know, hey, people move. I understand life happens. You can't stay at a place for 21 years all the time. Um, but man, as long as you can, I just, I just think there's so much fruit uh, that is, it, it might be there, but you don't get the reward of seeing it because we push eject too quick on 
our service to the Lord. And really John 15, uh, 16 reminds us, uh, you know, Jesus said, I haven't, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you, you should go forth and bring fruit and fruit that remains. Mm, and so right. part of the way for us to produce lasting fruit is for us to outlast uh, current trends, hardships, sometimes seemingly better opportunities or what the flavor of the month is. Just stay put, keep investing. And I just feel like that's sort of a missing element today. Um, I just, I just, and I, I think, I think people are missing, they're, they're missing the joy of, man, yeah. of seeing that what their seed, what their effort, what their investment, uh, man, stay, stay faithful and stay put long enough to see that thing grow. And, and once you yeah. see it grow once, it kind of, uh, it kind of gives you a, <laughs> it kind of becomes addictive. It kind of gives you a high, man, I, I want to sow some more so I can see, see it happen again. Uh, so right, anyway, right. I kind of got long winded there, but uh, no, that's no, good you're stuff. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love the, you know, the reminder that the, I just love the word intentional, you know, living with intentionality about, you know, in the, in the moment being always cognizant, you know, that, um, to be that witness, to sow in the people. And I think you guys probably experience this, uh, at, in, in your part of the country, we've talked about it before. We're kind of the same boat here where, where I'm at, um, got an air force base. And so you really have to be intentional where we are. Uh, a lot of our, you know, we, we know going in a lot of people we get through our church, we've got them for three or four years, you know, and, right. and they're going to be off, you know, and it's pretty neat though. We get a lot of young couples, we get a lot of young people and, uh, just the opportunity to sow into them, you know, when, uh, as long as they're here is pretty neat because a lot of them, you, you know, you, you don't get to see, but then we've had other families that end up coming back to the area. They get, you know, uh, they, they get um, deployed, I mean, positioned here again. And so, you know, we get to live that. You get to see that maturity and that growth. Uh, right now, we've got people in our church, exactly like you said, uh, left eight years ago or so as uh, a young couple and come back and now, you know, and they're in their serving in kids ministry and they're leading that. And so it really is neat. And uh, you're right. I, Aaron and I talk about it all the time on, on here on this platform about, I don't know if it's just the instant gratification, you know, of this world, you know, we live in now where, you know, people don't persevere, but it, it is lacking. You're right. And um I don't you got any, uh, you know, I, I, I'll chalk this up too to what you said, you know, if we, if we need to cut this air and, you know, cut this for length, but uh, you, do you have any like practical advice for, for people, how to, how to engage and how to do that and how to be intentional and stay plugged in and um, form those relationships? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to make it too simple, but I think a lot of it just is to keep doing the right thing and don't quit. I mean, hmm. sometimes the people you think I invested into them and they were a waste of time and in effect is they're not receiving what I'm saying. Uh, they, they took what I said and they skipped town or what, you know, they, they, yeah. they you never know. Yeah. Sometimes that seed takes a while to flourish. And so don't, uh, don't let today's disappointment keep you from serving God again tomorrow. 
Um, but also think it's good to clarify what do I want my life's work to be? Um, what legacy do I want to leave from my life? You know, I'm a, uh, Aaron knows this. I, I, I love to play golf. Like I wouldn't play today in the rain. Uh, I love it so much. I love it's It's one of my favorite pastimes, but about a month or two ago, my wife and I went to a funeral. And so we kind of had funeral stuff on our mind when we were leaving. And I just told her, I said, listen, if something happens to me, the last thing I want at my funeral is for to have my golf club sitting next to my casket and someone telling golf stories. Hmm. I want people telling hmm. discipleship stories. I, yeah. I want you to get, and I begin to, you know, uh, these names won't make anything to you guys, but you know, get Bethany, get Danica, get Houston, get Jerry. I begin to tell her names of people that we consider that we've invested in highly and seen God do something. I said, you know, if you could give each of those five or six key people uh, that I call kids, but now they're in their thirties, uh, give those guys three to five minutes apiece. Uh, that would be the story I want told. Not about, not about a hobby or an award um, or um, whatever size of a church n none of that matters uh did i impact people to me that's the yeah the big question and, and once you decide i want my legacy to be that i impacted people then if you look around there are people wanting to be impacted there are people who are just craving for um for someone to invest in them and and, and love them you know right yeah yeah, I don't. I don't think it's an accident that the that Jesus used a lot of um, agrarian examples, you know, in his stories and stuff. Um, just like you know, out here, uh, if you you know the di different, depending on whatever you plant, uh, it takes different times to come up. You know, if you plant tomatoes and asparagus at the same time, you're going to see like Tony said, instant gratification for the tomatoes. Uh, but if with the asparagus, it's going to be five years before you ever see anything from that besides having to work around it. It's just going to be work for five years until you actually see any, you know, fruit from it. So, yeah, I think a lot of that, like you said, takes patience um, and takes time. It's the Lord that gives the growth. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, great. go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so that's my first thing is I just wish people would, uh, you know, they would see the find, discover the value and, and being a minister and the reward, the fulfillment that comes from that. Uh, then the second thing, as far as what I wish people would do is, uh, and I could get preaching on this, but I'll try not to, but how much church attendance and church engagement really matters. I feel like that's uh, something that that's uh, it kind of flows what I just said, but but uh, I think just from my story, I think you probably heard the, the 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 thread being woven through all of it is you know I grew up in church and then as an adult I kind of found my way uh, through the church and, and I just I, I'm just a big believer in the Church of Jesus Christ, the local Church of Jesus Christ as well, or specifically. Um, and I just think a lot of people, I know that every, um, I think the most recent stat I read said that the definition of a faithful church attender is someone who attends one out of five Sundays. 
And I just, that, that's, uh, to me, that, that's a, a really different definition yeah. than I was raised with. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we're, I think there is something being lost there. Um, and that'd be my second thing. And, it's, and I don't say that out of the heart of saying, you know, you're supposed to be at church or, you know, shame on you. I, I just think there's some, I think there's some, some lack that's taken place in the church. I mean, the big C, the church, right. because, because people are absencing themselves um, from, yeah. from the body of Christ uh, more often. Not that they've walked away, yeah. but they're just uh, not as engaged as they once were. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Yeah, I think it, I, I heard it. I've heard it, I know, in the last couple of weeks, and I had not heard it prior to that, but I thought it was really good. And I forget now who even to attribute it to. Uh, but, I mean, essentially, you know, we can be, uh, you know, we can be married, and you don't have to go home to be married. <laughs> you can have a wife and, you know, or a husband. You don't have to go home, but it, it certainly helps that relationship that, you know, that you do that. And so... Right. And I thought of it, and that, that's a that's a great way, you know, yeah. put it that I'd never heard prior. But but that's it. I mean, and and it's not about an obligation thing. It's about that desire to grow in in that relationship. And uh, anyways, and just just want to soak up all that you can. So yeah, I I think that stats that's pretty much in line with the last I've heard too. And I yeah, it kind of floored me you know, when I heard it, cause I as well thought that, oh man, that's, well, I guess that's where we're at nowadays, but. Yeah. When it used to be, if you missed something like a Wednesday night, you had the pastor knocking on your door <laughs> Thursday morning. <laughs> well, Greg, do you have a message for uh, someone they may be struggling with their faith or Christianity in general, or maybe they're struggling, you know, with, uh, with COVID it through a, whole new kink in the machine. You know, people may be struggling to get back into church now that they've been going to online church and everything, and they've kind of got used to that. So do you have a message for those people? Well, I do think that coming out of COVID, um, I do think we're in, in a, it's like one, one hard situation has given way to other hard situations. Uh, even though we're not really fighting COVID, um, and the intensity that uh, perhaps we were two years ago. Um, life doesn't seem to have gotten a whole lot easier, whether you're watching uh, the news, watching the price of gas at the gas station, or, um, you know, just if you're watching any information uh, about people's mental health right now, there's a lot of people struggling. And um, I heard, heard a lady telling a story the other day, um, she was helping her son with some, some, some math homework. And while she was helping her son, uh, the son kind of said to her mom, uh, to, to his mom, Hey mom, this is really hard. And she just said kind of without any coaching or forethought at all, she said, that's okay, son, you were made for heart. And when she made that statement, it just really caught my attention that uh, as believers, we go through some really hard times at, at, at times. And we, uh, we, you know, the last couple of years have been hard. There's a lot of uh, financial hardship right now. There's a lot of 
cultural hardship right now. It feels like the values of our society are eroding and, and even being aggressively attacked. There, it seems like we're living in a very anti-Christ, anti-Christian um, culture right now. Uh, it just seems to be a lot of hard things going on. But, um, but then I'm also reminded that when I read the Bible, uh, hard times are not anything new. Mm-hmm. We're not the first generation to deal with persecution, sickness, financial hardship. Um, and so I, I kind of, I went from, uh, from hearing that quote to this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's really been just encouraging. Most, most of your listeners could probably quote it. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. And that first part of that scripture really helps me just to know that no matter how hard it today is, the light of Christ is still shining in our hearts. There's no darkness on the outside that can overwhelm his goodness and his faithfulness on the inside. Uh, he says, we have this light shining in our hearts. But then he goes on to say, but we ourselves are like fragile clay, uh, like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We're pressed on every side about troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get kicked down, but we're not destroyed. And through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. So the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. And I've been, I've been reading that scripture, and I even preached it to uh, our Wednesday night crowd a week ago. That, uh, that, you know, life is hard, but, uh, but God is greater. And life is hard, but hardness is sort of common. You know, um, there, there's, uh, Paul said to the church at Corinth that there's nothing overtaking you except for what is common to people. And God is faithful. He's not going to let us be tested beyond our ability to bear. But when we are tested and tempted, he provides a way out of it. And so, uh, for me personally, uh, going through hard times, I just, I just have to remember uh, that there's a lie of the enemy. And here's what the lie of the enemy is, that no one understands and no one cares. But the truth of God's word, the truth of God's word is this. Jesus does know and Jesus does care. And in almost every person I know, there's usually people that know and there's people that care but the hardness of our situation kind of blinds us, blinds us to that. And I would just say to those who might have been a hard time today to, to realize that, that God knows and God cares. And chances are there's people around you that know and people that do care. And then the second thing I just say is, is don't forget. Paul said, we're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. And so even in our hard times, God doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He's with us. Second Peter chapter nine, I love this scripture. It says that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. And so no matter what we're facing, God knows how to rescue us. And, uh, and then the last thing I'd say is if you're going through a hard time, uh, the last part of that scripture says that uh, through suffering, our bodies continue to share the death of Jesus. And one person told me a long time ago that our lives whisper about Jesus in the good times, but they shout about Jesus in the hard times. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a hard situation today, uh, your witness is being magnified by those people around you because most of us, when we're in a hard time, we don't just know it ourselves. 
our friends know it, our family know it. And when they see you being faithful, when they see you being trusting God, when they see that you don't have any strength at all, but you go to church anyway, and you pray anyway, and you believe anyway, and you serve anyway, and you give anyway, all of a sudden this life that you think is being overwhelmed, all of a sudden your life starts overwhelming the darkness around you because the light of Jesus is shining in your heart and you're being pressed, but you're not being crushed. You're being struck down, but you're not being abandoned. You're being hunted, but God is with you. And so I would just say this, if life is hard, understand with the power of God, you were made for this hardness. You got, God created you greater than these great trials in us. And I know that as, as, as hard as our seasons may be, uh, the strength of God is greater. And I would just say to those who are, who are having a testing of their faith, uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, my faith has grown biggest in seasons where it was tested the hardest. And so I would just challenge people, don't, don't let the pressure on the outside uh, overwhelm the goodness and the strength of God that's on the inside. I think the Bible says something along the lines of greater is he that's in you than the one that's against you. That's right. That'd be my, my parting, parting scripture to you tonight. That's good. It's a good word. It's a good word. Well, Greg, I appreciate you being here tonight. Hey man, the yes. pleasure is all mine. And uh, I look forward to uh, continuing to listen and uh, hear what you guys have to say. I really appreciate your ministry. Yeah, man, we, we enjoyed having you on. Go Mule Riders. There you go. Go Mules. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. What do you think? Let us know on uh, Facebook. Uh, send us a message, cynicalsheep.gp at gmail.com. And uh, let us know what you think about these interviews. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Tony, appreciate you. Greg, again, thank you for coming. God bless. See you, Aaron. Thanks, Greg.